This episode is brought to you by Milano Cookies. Look, sometimes that long Zen yoga class is just not in the cards. So maybe a cookie is. Pepperidge Farm Milano believes you should make some time for yourself once in a while. I know I have a particular space in my sewing room that I like to just take a few minutes every day. I sit there. I think about things. It's kind of like meditation and munching at the same time. You can get that yummy, beautiful cookie flavor. It makes it luxurious and delightful, and I always feel recharged. Milano cookies are truly a treat worthy of your me time. They're delicate and crispy with luxuriously rich chocolate in the middle. You really want to keep these just for you. So remember to save something for yourself with Pepperidge Farm Milano. Hey guys, I'm Shane Bacon, and I want to tell you about a new podcast called Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon. One guy that has probably hit a 350-yard drive, considers himself an athlete mostly because of his unreal papa shot abilities, and has in fact started to show off signs of a tricep forming, is our own Max Homa, PGA Tour winner and fan favorite online. Max and myself turn out new episodes every week to give the fan a unique look at golf and all that comes with it from someone that spends his work weeks on tracks we all dream to play, grinding and out with the best in the world. Listen and follow Get a Grip with Max Soma and Shane Bacon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts right now. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candace Keener, joined by staff writer Jane McGrath. Hey there. Hey, Jane. Uh, so the article we are going to talk about today is actually one that came to my attention courtesy of Mr. Stuff You Should Know, Chuck Bryant, because oh. he'd been doing some research on maritime mysteries and sunken ships and sunken treasure. And he asked me, have you ever heard of El Cazador? And I said, no, I haven't. And he said, did you know that this sunken ship, in effect, doubled the size of the United States? And it sounded too unbelievable to be true. But in a roundabout way, it kind of is. That's right. We have a great article on our site by our colleague Kristen Conger. explains this whole thing, and we're going to go over a little bit of it here. So we talked about the Louisiana Purchase in another podcast, but it has a fascinating story behind it, as Candace was saying. It has to do with a shipwreck. What happened with Louisiana Territory uh, back in the age of exploration, it ended up in French control. And now it's because this really fantastically named Frenchman, uh, Robert Cavalier de La Salle, actually discovered the mouth of the Mississippi back in 1682. That's right. And he, he was the one who named it Louisiana after King Louis XIV, I believe. And there were a couple of Louis that you're going to hear about. We'll try to remember all the Roman numerals. But if we don't, you know, Jane will stop me and let me know. And de La Salle, I think, had... High hopes that he was going to establish a settlement there, but it didn't really take off. And for a couple of reasons, I think the primary reason for which it didn't really take off or take hold as a settlement is because it was so incredibly remote. And also the climate was something that the French were unaccustomed to and mosquitoes were pretty crazy. So he did not succeed. The settlement that he started didn't last very long. And an official settlement didn't happen until about 17 years later. And that was in 1699 with Pierre Sieur. Diberville. And I really like saying these French names, and I don't know if I'm getting them exactly right, but I'm sure if there are any French listeners out there, they will let us know. So he made a very successful settlement, and then in 1718, Louis actually established an official colony there. So here we have New Orleans was the capital city of this French colony, and it was a very important trading post. 
at the time. Obviously, the West Indies had so many commodities that Europe wanted to get its hand on, hands on, and New Orleans was an important part of that equation. So by the mid-18th century, France was actually wrapped up in uh, the Seven Years' War. Although they were in possession of Louisiana territory, including New Orleans, they wanted to get it out of their hands, um, but not so much to not have it anymore, but rather to keep it out of the British hands, because the, they were fighting the British in the Seven Years' War. And over here, we uh, often call it the French and Indian War, because the colonies were involved in it, too. But anyway, the uh, French and the British were enemies, and France sort of saw their end coming. They saw that they were losing the war. So they made a treaty with Spain, and that was known as the Treaty of Fontainebleau, if I'm pronouncing that right. So they handed over the Louisiana Territory, and New Orleans was included in that over to Spain's control. And as as we now know, France did lose, and when England did ask them for all the handover, their, their um, very valuable lands, they didn't have Louisiana to hand over. They didn't. And we should mention that Louis XV and the King of Spain, that was uh, King Carlos II, actually had a relation, a distant blood relation through the Bourbon side of Louis' family. So, That's right. They political ties there, obviously. So exactly. they were more friends with Spain than England. And I don't think anyone would ever want to let, you know, Louisiana and especially New Orleans go. But if you had to give it away to someone, better your very distant cousin than mean old England. That's a good way to put it. So Spain found out pretty quickly that the... Louisiana territory was very hard to manage. Like we said before, it was very far away, and it was a huge chunk of land. And so they decided that something had to be done about dealing with this remoteness and somehow keeping a hand on the crazy uh, counterfeiting and other uprisings that were going on in that part of the world. That's right. There was a shortage of currency, and uh, this led to counterfeiting, and there was just a, just crisis, economic crisis in New Orleans that uh, the, so Spain couldn't pay their own government workers to do the work. Yeah, and if you can't pay your government workers and your soldiers, there's really no way to keep order in a city. So in order to fix that, they actually had a lot of silver uh, commissioned to send over in a ship known as El Calzador. And it uh, the ship contained uh, freshly minted silver and about 19 tons of it, to be yeah, exact. Yeah, it came from Veracruz, Mexico, the mint there. So 19 tons of silver coins. And the ship set out on January 11th, 1784, and its mission was clear. Take the money to New Orleans and add some value back into the currency and save the city. Unfortunately, it never made it. No, it sunk. It sunk hard, y'all. <laughs> and they didn't find it until 210 years later. That's right, 1993. So it disappeared. It was, they cl- declared it missing, and uh, New Orleans continued in their economic crisis. And so basically, it made the, the situation worse. And uh, it was just a problem on their hands. Even though it was a valuable uh, commodity to have New Orleans, it was troublesome. It really was. And so enter Napoleon. That's right. And we should say that uh, France looked a lot different between the time of the Seven Years' War when they when they gave it over to Spain and when Napoleon emerged. If you've uh, listened to our podcast on the French Revolution, this happened during that time. And uh, so France looked a lot different. And Napoleon was set on rebuilding uh, the power of his country. And so he thought the key to getting France powerful again was to start this great empire in the West. He actually had control over what is now modern-day Haiti and the Dominican Republic. And these lands, uh, these territories, and the work he had commissioned there provided him with trade of sugar, coffee, and exotic produce, very valuable things. But he also wanted to get uh, the Louisiana Territory back from Spain. And as we said, Spain was certainly in a position to give it back. Precisely. 
So they made um, a treaty known as the Treaty of San Ildefonso with Spain, which effectively, I think it was a secret treaty, but anyway, it handed it back to uh, the power of France. But something happened to muck up Napoleon's plans, basically, for his his vast plans for a Western empire. And that happened with, as we said, uh, the modern-day Haiti territory. A slave uprising actually occurred um, in this territory, and our colleague Christian Conger talks about how this is known as the only uh, successful slave uprising in history, which I found really interesting. And it was uh, started by the leader was known as Toussaint Louverture, and uh, he uh, led the successful revolt. And this sort of screwed up Napoleon's plans, as I said. At the end, when he eventually lost control of that of that territory. Having the Louisiana territory didn't make much sense to him anymore. So if he if he lost control of this of this essential part of his uh, Western plans, then there was no point in having the Louisiana territory. He didn't really want it anymore. It was high time to unload it. And if you have heard our podcast on the Louisiana Purchase, you know how that story went down. Uh, Thomas Jefferson decided that he wanted to get his hands on that very valuable port. And he sent over an emissary, uh, James Monroe, to try to negotiate getting New Orleans. That's right. Yeah, we should emphasize Jefferson only wanted New Orleans. He only wanted New Orleans. <laughs> and he sent a specific budget. And gift with purchase. Napoleon said, you want it? You take the whole Louisiana territory. And like we emphasized before, that turned out to be a very enormous parcel of land. And in Jefferson's stead, it was signed for and it was signed, sealed and delivered and Bing, bang, boom. There goes the size of the United States. Just yes. about double. <laughs> yeah, and Chuck's right. I mean, it, it, uh, this uh, El Cazador shipwreck really was a key part. And it's it just interesting that it was such a valuable territory and, and trading post of New Orleans. But at the same time, it was so much trouble. And it had passed through three three countries' hands in a matter of, I think, three years. And Isn't it wild? Yeah. I mean, we talk about the great rivers of the world. You probably think of the Amazon or the Congo because they're so massive and rushing and mighty and they, you know, meander and have so many different types of, of wildlife and flora and fauna surrounding them. But if you think about the truly powerful economic sources of water, I mean, the Mississippi River was such a huge boon to the United States and its fledgling condition. And really, it helped build up a, a lot of controversy and secured a whole bunch of land for a very young nation. That's so, true. Uh, back in 1993, there was a fisherman named Jerry Murphy, and he was just out one day by the Gulf of Mexico fishing, and his nets pulled up some really heavy stuff. And as it turned out, it was a bunch of silver coins. That's and right, and they were kind of molded together, is that right? Yeah. It's the longer things stay underwater, the more different types of, I guess, bacteria and algae and things grow on them. And so they, they fuse together, and they form like <laughs> this big massive coil of coins. And he thought, well, that's interesting. And he was on his toes. He called his lawyer to see if he could get rights to the sunken booty. And he was granted rights, and he found the treasure, called in some underwater archaeologists, and they determined, oh, yeah, we remember this ship, the El Cazador. It went down back in the late 1700s, and Spain's been looking for it for quite some time. And <laughs> ironically, the ship that Jerry Murphy was sailing in that day was called The Mistake. But he didn't make a mistake. He made a huge discovery. That's awesome. So it's a good story. Yeah. Good story for everyone. Lucky guy. Yeah, everyone involved. Spain got its mystery solved. Jerry Murphy got some, uh, I guess, a, a valuable find. And we had something else to talk about. So another day in the life. And if you want to read more about the shipwreck that doubled the size of the United States, be sure to check the article out on HowStuffWorks.com. And while you're there, take a look at our blog that we've started called Stuff You Missed in History Class. And Candace and I write on that uh, once a day. 
And maybe we'll talk about another Louie. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. So be sure to check out the blog and the article at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the Stuff You Missed in History Class blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. We are going to Italy after the success of last year's trip to Paris. We are planning another similar trip, still with defined destinations, this time to Rome and Florence. Yeah, we are going to spend a week exploring some amazing things. We're going to have city tours of both Rome and Florence. We're going to see the Roman Colosseum, the Vatican Museum, and the Sistine Chapel, St. Peter's Basilica, Vatican City. This is just a tiny fraction of all the stuff we're going to get to do. Yeah, it's May 14th to 21st, 2020. And to get more information, go to defineddestinations.com and scroll down to the Roman Florence trip with Stuff You Missed in History Class. Hey guys, I'm Shane Bacon, and I want to tell you about a new podcast called Get a Grip with Max Home and Shane Bacon. One guy that has probably hit a 350-yard drive, considers himself an athlete mostly because of his unreal papa shot abilities, and has in fact started to show off signs of a tricep forming, is our own Max Home, a PGA Tour winner and fan favorite online. Max and myself turn out new episodes every week to give the fan a unique look at golf and all that comes with it from someone that spends his work weeks on tracks we all dream to play, grinding and out with the best in the world. Listen and follow Get a Grip with Max Soma and Shane Bacon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts right now.